I'm Matt Dixon, and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. Once again, your host, Matt Dixon, and this week, Anna Hertel. You might not have heard of Anna, I've been coaching her for five years, but this is a story of finding her place within endurance sports. You see, ultimately every strength is a weakness, and so often strengths such as willpower and motivation and commitment can lead to ultimately what can only be called an unhealthy relationship in sport. Anna's story today is one of growth, growth as a human being all through adversity. At just 34 years of age, she'll probably never run an Ironman again. Ask her five years ago, that concept would have been devastating. It would have been her identity ripped away from her. Now, it's just another roadblock and the emergence of a mature mindset to appreciating the power of fitness and health to foster a big and ultimately magical life. I think you'll enjoy it. Before we get in, I want to give you a little sneak peek of what's coming up in the uh, next few weeks that I think you'll enjoy. We've got a few great guests coming onto the show and a couple of, I think, very interesting and important conversations to be had. So first up, we're going to have Alex Hutchinson. Alex is the author of Endure. Many of you guys would have read the book. He's a well-known writer for Outside Magazine, a super guy, a wonderful resource. And Alex and I yap about all things performance. I promise you, it's quite exceptional. I'm also going to be joined by Joaquin Candler. Joaquin is the head of AI at Facebook, so you can imagine quite a metric head, or at least one might suspect. The story tells a different picture. Joaquin is also a keen triathlete, and I actually coach Joaquin. I asked him on the show to talk about metrics, tracking for success, the art of feel, maybe that might give you a little insight into his personality, and how fitness and health impact his own performance as well as, of course, his team at Facebook. And finally, we've got Jerry Rodriguez of Tower 26, and we are not going to talk too much about swimming. Jerry is known as one of, if not the best open water swim coach in the world, but we're going to have a really brass tacks conversation about coaching triathlon and performance globally. It is quite an interview. Of course, coming up, Kona better known as the Hawaii Ironman World Championships, every second Saturday in October. We're going to go through all you need to know, my thoughts and insights from the sweat box, and everything that you think might be interesting about that race. So that's what's coming up in the coming weeks. We've got quite a few great episodes to come. But now to Anna Hertel. But just before we dive in, smuggled me... Let's play that jingle that annoys so many. And by the way, I do want to point out, if it does annoy you, you clearly don't appreciate irony. You just don't get that British humour, do you? Anyway, play it away, Sam. We like the way he thinks, serious with a wink. Let's open the book, it's time to take a peek. It's the Dictionary Word of the Week. This week, the Word of the Week... All in. All in. You see, this week is an ode to Sam Appleton, one of the Purple Patch professional athletes. Last week, he went to the Ironman 70.3 World Championships in South Africa. And what we experience as fans, as coaches, as other athletes in the sport, in the men's professional race, a whole new level. Across the top six guys, we saw athletes that literally went all in. They threw their pot of gold into the ring and took risks. It was, in my opinion, one of the best triathlon races in history. One of them was Sam Appleton. He was fifth at this World Championships two years ago, fourth last year, and this year he was sixth. And yet, it was a massive personal performance. I want to lay the context for you. You see, this year for Sam, I think has been the toughest year of his professional career. Since about May, he struggled for form. He's had low energy, some fatigue, very fluctuating performance predictability. He arrived at this race with almost zero rhythm, very low confidence, and nothing like the flow that we've enjoyed and embraced for the last few years. Well, it was what it was. 
And yet, at the same time, he had to step up and race the best field ever assembled at the World Championships at this distance. As a professional athlete, this can be nothing but a feeling that mixes dread of exposure with great insecurity, laid for everyone to see in front of you. Let me tell you, it ain't fun. Two weeks before the race, Sam and I spoke. One of the things that he said to me is, I just don't know how my race is going to be. I paused. You see, this is a question that cannot be answered. I knew at that time we were going to receive no information that was going to give the answer to the natural question that Sam asked himself. So instead of trying to answer that question, I asked Sam for one single thing. I need you to go all in. When in doubt, attack. You see, success from this race would be about finishing going back to your hotel room, looking in the mirror and knowing that he gave everything he could with the resources he had on the day and he maximized that. If he could do that, if he could go all in and maximize whatever his body would give him, he would feel great pride and great satisfaction. Well, I tell you what, two years ago, fifth, last year, fourth, this year, it wasn't a dream performance. And there is a gap to close between the first in the world and where he is now. But he darn well gave everything he possibly could. And that is a growth opportunity. You see, it would be so easy to buckle emotionally. But instead, he went all in. He gave it all. And what has come out of this is a massive growth opportunity, a chance to evolve. This becomes a platform. And ultimately, This type of experience is the thing that makes great athletes. And I think we can learn something from Sam because the great days are fun. The wins are enjoyable. But his sixth place this year was his best personal performance within context of the year. So Sam, well done, mate. Keep evolving. You passed a massive personal test last weekend and so onward. Now, let's get on with the meat and potatoes. All right, folks, yes, the meat and potatoes. And today we have a guest that I'm very fond of. I have been coaching Anna Hertel now for several years. And I wanted to have Anna on the show because of her personal journey, because of her relationship with this, with sport, her relationship with performance. And one of the things in so many conversations that I've had with Anna over the years is really a concept around sport and how positive it can be for your mental health at the same time sport can be bad for your mental health and I think that the adversity that Anna has gone through on her athletic journey and how that has pollinated into a wonderful growth of a human being a wonderful growth as an athlete is really a story that deserves to be told and so today we are joined by Anna Hattel. Thank you, Anna, for joining us. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on the chopping block. I know that uh, <laughs> this isn't necessarily your your thing, standing up and and shouting proud and loud. But um, but uh, but I'm really excited, as we do with um, with every uh, guest that we have on the show. I want I want to give context first. Mm-hmm. I want to I want the listeners to to understand who we're talking to, and uh, there is a faint accent there you are not pure yankee poodle in fact you are quite the opposite you are very european why don't you tell us a little bit about your your upbringing yeah Uh, i grew up in germany and when i was uh, 12 i moved to the states uh, with my parents the plan was to be there for two years but you know life treated us well so we stayed Um, my siblings got left behind in germany they're too old and i went to college in seattle studied production animation yeah well and and so so when you were 12, you actually moved and siblings staying behind. Was, yeah. it, was that a strange thing to be sort of... It was of, extremely hard. Yeah, it's yeah. like you're the only one sort of thing. I think the first experience of loss. It, it's interesting on a, on a personal note. So my, my parents were divorced at 12, but my brothers at that same stage went off to university. Mm. 
So I had a quasi-similar experience where suddenly sort of the fabric of, of your whole sort of setup changes really, isn't it? It's mm -hmm. quite interesting. Well, well, tell us about sports and when did you, when did you, you know, I know you have known you as a, as a multi-sport athlete mm -hmm. and, and I deliberately didn't say triathlete because our story is going to talk about multi-sport as much as just triathlon specifically. But, but how did you get into sports originally? When did that start? Well, I have to thank my ballet teacher because she called me a teddy bear. And so I picked up the tennis racket and excelled pretty quickly there. And by choice, I actually did hill repeats on my mountain bike. Um, only now, looking back, I realized I was pretty crazy back then. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Near the, the sort of way mountain biking was in infancy. And, um, and didn't you, do you do ballet as well, I think? <laughs> <laughs> uh -uh. touched touched on ballet yeah uh -uh. not not too much okay so we'll, we'll, we'll focus it around tennis you sort of grew uh -huh. up as a as a as a youth tennis player and did very well with that and let, let's fast forward uh where are you now where are you living now well now i live in woodside california uh lots of hills around me and yeah we've been remodeling a home so we just got to move in for 12 weeks ago okay and that, that's going to be a part of our story today yes, it's, uh, we're, story. we're talking about performance <laughs> and yet we're going to talk about home remodeling in uh, in a little bit um and you've d d tell us what you're you're doing now what you've done over the last few years professionally because mm -hmm. i think that's quite interesting you've 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 got another growth opportunity that you're in the middle of right now so i'd love to hear a little bit about definitely that. well over the last four years i focused on actually starting a uh, fitness coaching business down mountain view inspired by the purple patch approach but i really wanted it for people that had experienced the yo-yo effect and provide them with a network and a team for sustainable health um, and my goal was to get it to sustain itself and that's where it's at now and so i'm off to different projects <laughs> yeah and you're, you're doing your master's degree yeah? yeah exactly so i'm in my second year of my master's now it's a master of fine arts that was a big goal of mine and i'm working my first book Fantastic. So, yeah. Well, congratulations Thank before you. it finishes out. And, and last question, sort of give us, a, give us our little context. Triathlon, what, what was the catalyst? <laughs> well, first try was a broken heart. I wanted to impress my ex and show him that I do something for myself. And when I crossed the finish line, I had almost forgotten about him. <laughs> almost. <laughs> he, he was in the rear view mirror pretty much. Basically. What, what, what distance was your first triathlon? Uh, it was a sprint triad and I didn't even look at the results but i ended up coming in first so i could have totally gotten on the podium <laughs> <laughs> and and then how did how did you sort of grow into the uh, the sport from there well then life happened uh, one of the biggest challenges and my brother then decided he wanted to try a triathlon and i said hey let me do it with you in hamburg actually and i wanted to do it right so i got my first coach and i trained for it got my first tri bike and flew to Hamburg to do another sprint triathlon. <laughs> so that was the kickoff. And, and then uh, your first, you, you, you just recently uh, in the summer did an Ironman that we'll talk about Hamburg, which was your second Ironman, mm -hmm. your only other Ironman, but your first Ironman was back now five or six years ago mm -hmm. at Lake Tahoe, if I remember, yep. is that correct? Uh, a very, very cold day, yeah? Very cold, but beautiful. It, it was uh, stunningly beautiful. It was the coldest I've ever been, and I was just a spectator. So, uh, <laughs> But it was a wonderful race. It was a shame yes. that, that that race couldn't really grow its legs and really become what I thought might be a, a sort of iconic race in many ways. Well, let's let's go to Purple Patch, and, and we're going to talk about the Purple Patch journey in context of you. Because uh, when we talk today, the real this is we're going to get to the heart of why we want to talk today. We're talking about the growth of you as an athlete, but but really what it is is the growth of you as a, as a human being. And um, and I want to say before we get into this, into the juicy the part of this, I, I want to thank you in advance because uh, your courage to sort of come on here and talk about some of this stuff. I mm. think that we're going to have many listeners that will maybe see themselves in your story. And, uh, and I hope that you can be a catalyst of inspiration as well as um, hopefully evolution or change for, for some of the people. So uh, you started with Purple Patch uh, now five plus years ago, just after Lake Tahoe. Yeah? Yes. Um, so without getting into sort of myself and Purple Patch too much, I want to talk about you. When you look back at yourself as an athlete then, what was your... 
Who were you as an athlete? What was your mindset to the sport in general? I mean, my mindset was I was always in a hurry. I didn't think I was doing enough work. I would sneak in extra work. Um, then I had these little niggles, as you call them. I was constantly judging myself at my slow run pace. There was constantly negative self-talk. I mean, I felt like I was too big for the sport. I'm six foot one. Um, and I just had a really close-minded approach to what it meant to be successful, uh, even during every single training session. Um, so I was emotionally very unstable, judgmental of myself. And the moment a training session didn't go very well, Armageddon came down and it became existential. And I just had a complete breakdown you know, in front of my bike, in front of the treadmill. Um, yeah. And so you, you sort of arrived with quite lofty goals <laughs> and, and yet every day was passing or failing. Is that, mm -hmm. is that fair enough? Like every, every day was a test of not just were you progressing, but almost self-worth in many ways. Is that, would, you, would you say that? Oh, absolutely. As an yeah. athlete, at least, yeah. And you also came physically, uh, by my memory, and you'll have to refresh me more than this, but really quite, quite run down physically, mm -hmm. um, probably as a byproduct of sort of your training habits going exactly. in. Yeah. Do you want to tell a little bit about that? Yeah, so actually when I first met you, we ended up figuring out that I was anemic, um, probably due to false eating, not checking my own blood levels and high training load too soon uh, in the in the journey. And my posterior chain was just not up to the task. And so I would have all these post-tip injuries constantly. And so I couldn't run. And that's just a spiral mm -hmm. by itself. And, and, you know, the anemia, uh, when we look back and the injuries were an accumulation of stress, some of which magnified by emotional stress, yeah, let alone the, the habits. Um, uh, I remember sort of talking to you about uh, going easy on the easy days. But of mm -hmm. course, if, if uh, failure was it created Armageddon, then every day had to be a success. So I think you were, you were unsuccessful at keeping the easy days easy. And then nutritionally, you were really in a, a cycle, yeah, a, a spin of, um, uh, well, why don't you tell the, the side, your side of the nutritional component? Yeah, I mean, you know, you start out this sport and all of a sudden you have this huge appetite. And so you're trying to look up all these sources, maybe talk to a couple of nutritionists, nothing's really working. And so you're eating kind of to hunger. And for me personally, it was actually, I would eat a lot because like during the day I would try to cut something out because, you know, I was feeling big. And at the end of the night, I would purge a lot of the food I would eat just because of that cycle I was in. And it's so, yeah, just had really bad habits, which was a byproduct of earlier days as well. And so it would, in many ways, it's sort of everything manifested itself and you had great ambition. And, and the one thing that wasn't in doubt though was, was willpower. Yeah. yeah. Like um, it, in many ways, in fact, when, when I reflect on it, in many ways it was, uh, you know, I often say every strength is a weakness. There was, there was no doubt of motivation. There was no doubt of ambition. And yet the recipe was, uh, was horribly wrong because of the probably emotional relationship with yourself as an athlete mm -hmm. and your, and your place in there. Um, so, so what comes with that is with all of that in context, if you can try and look back, and this might be a tough question to answer, but did you still love the sport? Absolutely. I mean, I think I, I fell in love with the challenge and I had set myself a goal. And so, yes, there were the emotional up and downs and the judgments, but I felt like that was maybe part of the journey that I had to go on. And I think a part of me felt fueled by it and also like I needed to feel kind of the depth of those emotions except they were getting the best of me as well um, and so I think through the journey of training I, and through the solitude of it I was able to really overcome that and develop a better relationship to that yeah when, when we look back in many ways I think that's 
you know, the one thing you said there is it's part of the journey. And, and sometimes, uh, look, we, we celebrate suffering, yeah? Mm-hmm. Like when you think about an elite athlete or victory, we all know that it doesn't come without immense hard work. And you don't, you only need to look at any black and white commercial of a man or woman with hands on knees sweating and it's the suffering mm-hmm. and it's the glory. Uh, at the same time, uh, I think in your situation, that became your identity. Is that a fair enough statement? Yeah, especially because I came to the sport with not much of an identity left after having gotten out of a extremely yeah abusive relationship, and so I was actually brainwashed to just being a shell of myself. And so I did take on the identity of a triathlete, and so I did all the research, and I I assumed you know if if they do this, then I should be doing this in order to be that. But that's hard when you're a beginner. You can't do what you know the pros are doing. It's impossible. And that was the missing link right there. Yeah, and that was the bridge. And I think your first yeah. year before, before we met, that, that's what sort of created the tailspin in many ways. Yeah, mm-hmm. you sort of like the, the, the persistent injuries, the ups and downs of nutrition, the, the really uh, bad or, or not optimal, suboptimal habits that went around it. Yeah. And really being in too much of a rush to get to where you wanted to get Absolutely. to. Yeah. I mean, I think you said right at the start, I was in a hurry. Yeah. And that, that's what you meant in many ways. So, so you started with me. I, I, I'd love to, and, and this is not about Purple Patch, very much about you, but the first thing that we did was a whole lot of nothing, really. <laughs> yeah. Is it by my memory? Rest. It's like, you need to rest. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. I mean, you know, get, get internal health figured out. I mean, the, the, as I called it, the search for iron for me was a long journey trying to figure out why my body wouldn't absorb iron. And so, I mean, you were really the kind of commander right there saying, you know, we need need to be going easy at this so that your body can recover and we can find out the reason. And yeah. I think it's, I think it's really important to to talk about this at this stage, and I talk, and I said, mentioned this in the introduction, but exercise or specifically training, and, and for me, exercise and training are two different things. Exercise is random. It's just people being active, which is great. You want people to do that. But training is something specific and goal-driven. And I think ultimately for performance, training is critical. And it can be great for mental health. In fact, you would say it's an essential ingredient to mental health. At the same time, it can be bad. It can be challenging. And uh, as I reflect on your state now, I think the initial parts of your athletic journey, you're on the other side of positive for mental health. Uh, is that fair enough? Or yeah, you feel free to push hard back earned. on it. No, no, no. It's hard earned. And uh, that's where I feel like I am and, now. And, and yet, and, and the good thing is there is a nice side to the story. Yeah. It's a happy ending. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but but at the time, so that we so that listeners really understand, we have this highly motivated. In fact, if we talk about your strengths, motivation, yeah, willpower, goal driven, you're not letting go of the rope anytime soon, are you? Um, but it was very anchored in results, athletic results, and um, and on the flip side, you had weakness. And the weakness was emotion, self-talk, and, and habits of the recipe. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So um, so we've gone through. Now, before we go on, and, uh, and we'll come back to this, but our journey hasn't been uh, continuous. We had several years together, and then you... Um, you kicked me into touch at one point. You left Purple Patch. And, yeah. um, and at the Dark time, hour. actually, yeah, no, but at the time, I thought that was uh, a really sort of healthy growth opportunity for you and uh, tell me briefly sort of the catalyst for leaving but but more interesting what drew you back because this is going to open up the story to the second half of the story well I mean it was one of the hardest things I did to be honest Um, just to face you and say it's not working anymore Um, I just felt like again kind of the fear of I'm not doing enough work I mean I was sitting across a friend then and we're comparing our uh, TSS score, whatever it's called, and training peaks. And I should be there, but I'm only here, so I'm not at an optimal level, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, so I decided I needed to go somewhere else where 
my own goals and wishes were listened to. And so I took the jump and I think it was a, I mean, I was in the driver's seat. Yep. And it was good that I did that. And, but very quickly after a couple of weeks, I, I really missed it. Like I remember writing the email to you and saying like, things are going well, but I'm no longer in my purple patch and I'm not feeling it. And I miss the community. I miss being part of the, yeah, the philosophy that had a huge impact already on my growth up until that point. And I felt lonely without Purple Patch in my life. And it just wasn't the same anymore. And the sport wasn't the same because it wasn't so much just about triathlon at that point. It was actually about life. And I, I really did feel that I was a better person for being part of this community. And I was missing it. So. Well, well I, I think it was a really healthy thing that you did. And uh, um, look, we're not trying to puff up purple patch, but I, I think what it enabled you to do is uh, you went to a very sports-driven, like direct performance-driven in, in a relatively narrow mm -hmm. mindset, which is great. It's like, hey, I am going to get you faster. Yep. And, and you came back a different person, a different athlete. And I came back faster. You did come back Especially faster. in the pool. Exactly. And uh, I think also running, I came back faster. And my ability to withstand the grind was stronger as well because of some of the sessions we went through. But also, you know, I felt I was pushing my body already too hard for what it was capable of, and it wasn't sustainable for me. I could put my head down and power through, but it was for a negative result. Yeah. Oh, it's, um, it's great. So fast forward now, and, uh, <laughs> and we start the... Uh, the intriguing part of the the journey here. So you know you're still you're still young. You're mm -hmm. still a, a puppy. But even right when we started, uh, we knew that your your chassis, your frame, was always going to be challenged to uh, to manage and cooperate with the rigors of particularly the weight bearing side of sports running. And um, we knew at some stage the limiters are gonna, were going to bubble up. And, and they have bubbled up. Mm -hmm. So uh, so you have physical limiters now. You have uh, osteoarthritis. Tell us, tell us uh, a little bit about that. Where are you yeah. at right now? Well, I just turned 34. <laughs> um, and yeah, so my background in tennis, taekwondo, speed skating, soccer, triathlon just um, caused my knees to give out. And in two weeks, I'll have my fifth surgery on the meniscus. Um, potentially looking at a transplant uh, on the horizon. The knees are just done. I wake up at night, they hurt from just a bad turn. Hiking with my dogs hurts. I mean, it's just, they feel miserable and very grainy all time. And, and what does that, what does that mean for swim, bike and run for you? No more running. Um, so swim, bike. Swim, swim bike, <laughs> swim bike, and, and, and other potentially, yeah. Yeah. And um, it, when you went through that, because it, you know this is going to be a paradox, and it's particularly when I when I say this, I feel like a, it's a paradox without the context that we went through. So no more running, and yet after this news, uh, you went and did an Ironman. Yeah. And uh, Ironman Hamburg. Uh, wonderful race, your your hometown. Mm -hmm. Why why an Ironman? Why that race in particular? And, and what were you trying to get out of it? Well, I mean, when I signed up for the race, I I wanted to be at peak performance. I really wanted to have a breakthrough performance across all three sports, but especially the run, especially because we were doing so good beginning of the year. And then after my doctor told me like you need to stop this now, and our first goal was just to be pain free which included no more running, we had to really shift our lens and say, okay, well, what is this really about in the big picture? And my entire family had made arrangements to come out. And we were talking a posse of six, 14 people being there at the race. I mean, it was beautiful. Um, and so it was just to be there to celebrate the journey, to, to feel gratitude for 
where I am now. And for my family, the town, my home country, that and so much more. So you you know, you when originally signing up, it was all right, I've come back, I've grown, I'm an I'm an athlete. Um the change of ideas helped you take another leap forward with a different coach and then you come back and let's go and do an Ironman and I want to go and do it well I've done one but and then suddenly you um you get told basically there's no more running mm -hmm. <laughs> and there's probably surgery you've already signed up you've already got these family I went on um, before there was this fundamental shift that that occurred what was it like I just want to go back to the doctor was there a, a sort of grieving period or was there a, what was this shift because you, you really had sort of part of your identity ripped away from you in many ways uh yeah um i mean i knew it was coming and for the listeners i'm actually tearing up right now um it i knew it was coming the doctor when i was 16 told me in 20 years you're going to run into arthritic issues but to hear it and the the way the doctor phrased it, he really left it up to me. So I knew I had to have the courage and and the size, as we say in German, to protect myself now from myself, from that determination, and and make the decision now to step back and say, I can do this Ironman, but we can do it with a different approach. And this can also be a good closing to the journey of triathlon. And I owed it to myself and the, the self-love to understand my limits. So, so really in many ways, your mindset went to big picture. And, uh, you know, you'd said to me that the, the journey you'd been on with Purple Patch had been sort of your, your personal obstacles. And I remember you saying to me, Hamburg was going to be about a celebration with my family. Mm -hmm. basically and, and really the the growth and I, and I think so sometimes I, I say that I, I bring that back up because so often we get busy chasing something so hard that it cancels out the positive aspects of the journey itself and I remember as a coach and athlete for those last two months we said hang on let's re we got to redraw the drawing board here yeah. basically and and it be those those couple of months became about arriving in the best possible uh physical setup that we would so we could have a magical experience with for yourself and with your family yep. is that fair enough yep um and so in many ways the adversity of that news brought opportunity for a shift of lens that, that i think has led into sort of your relationship with the sport or sport in general moving yep. forward yeah all right so, so now let's go into your those two months and let's um let's build in because I've coached a lot of athletes, professional athletes, busy, time-starved athletes that have gone through various bouts of adversity. You, you did those two months knowing that your relationship had to change, and you did it in literally a hurricane. <laughs> <laughs> this is, fasten your seatbelt, this is a life hurricane. <laughs> We're going to have dogs going under surgery, general contractor bastards, knees popping out of your skin. <laughs> this is, we are... Fuck me. That's the only way to say this. This is this is quite the journey. So you started training. We've got two months. We, we give each other a proverbial hug. Let's do this thing. We're not going to be running. We're going to be power walking this Ironman. So, so it all started pretty well, yeah? Yeah, um, totally. Pretty well. Out of the box thinking. And so let, let's talk about the training for, for the race. We, we, we did swimming. You could do swimming. We mm -hmm. did. Uh, running a lot of running on the, uh, riding sorry riding on the trainer yep and um and now running training was basically restricted to some walking treadmill stuff and some aqua mm -hmm. and some elliptical yeah yeah and it was uh, out of the box thinking and physical therapy three times a week and and physical therapy <laughs> which is a time start a time start. so everything we could do to restrict the accumulation firstly not do any too much more damage right knowing that that surgery was of course coming we knew that but um uh but as we sort of go into this journey um new guests came into the life as well yeah. <laughs> new, new, so so tell us about that tell us about oh, new dogs because that my was my new a, love the, the new love yes carry on um well so the whole knee news came a week before I was going to come out to Kona camp. 
And obviously I couldn't attend camp now. And so my partner comes with the idea that we could bring a Vishla puppy home earlier than expected. Um, my other dog is actually a greyhound. And so I figured how bad can it be? Of course, yeah. Um, so, you know. <laughs> and you've also got a cat as well. And I have well, a cat. His name is Dexter. And he's a bit of a aggressive little lion. And, and let's go back. T tell us about uh, that cat has a bit of story as well. Yeah. Did yeah. you rescue the cat at yeah, one Yeah. So we actually wanted to bring in another greyhound. Um, but he was falsely profiled and he ended up being high prey. So while on leash inside the home, he actually went after our cat and we had to wrestle this 80 pound dog to the ground, you know, to get the cat out of his mouth. And in that whole event, my hand got bitten by the cat, which I didn't realize how bad cat bites are. So I ended up being two weeks out because of my hand swelled up to the size of a red balloon. And we had to rush the cat to the ER, get him stitches, bring the dog back after three days, barricade half the house. Because, you know, now we have like a hunter inside this little 1,400 square foot home in Palo Alto chasing after the cat and this lazy other greyhound lying around defending her couch. So it was a bit of a madhouse. So, so, so you've had this knee, <laughs> you've had this news on the knees, there's no more running. You're, you're wrestling greyhounds. Yep. You're, you're, um, you've got a hand like a balloon. And at the same time, you're, um, you're putting your house on the market. Yeah, of so. course. You know, you just got to do it all in four weeks. So, so you're, you're trying to get the house ready for showing. Yes. And uh, so, so we're, we're in Ironman build now. You've got a hand like a balloon. You can't train. You have a house on there. And, and meantime, you've, you, you have another house that you're effectively remodeling. Mm -hmm. yeah? So your dream home is... In process. In process. Almost since, complete, uh, yeah? two and a half years. We've so. owned it for three years, so it's been a bit of a journey there as well. And yeah, so the, the, the move was planned for uh, five weeks after this event, after the puppy came home as well. And yeah. <laughs> so now you've got a uh, bad hand, bad knees, uh, injured cat. You return the greyhound, mm -hmm. you get the Vishla. Well, I get really depressed first. I get really sad because I wanted this greyhound. And so the only way I would get out of it is by bringing in a Vishla puppy. <laughs> <laughs> Another bundle of energy. And uh, I remember yeah. when you, you, uh, you got the dog, I said, you better get training that thing. <laughs> yeah, which I did. Another task. <laughs> okay. And so now we're... Six weeks before the Ironman, I think. Mm -hmm. we're, we're a little behind schedule. A little. It, 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 but there was, you know, still room. Yeah, we still had room to grow. And, and I remember several conversations of champions are born out of adversity sometimes. <laughs> uh, so the good news was the house sold. Yes. And you got to move into the dream house. Absolutely. So I want to set the stage here. It's uh, You drive up and uh, you've had the puppy for, I think, a month now. Mm -hmm. And you're... You're on the way there. You've got Harvey, the puppy, in the back seat. And um, and you get a call from your, your partner. Yeah. So Najam calls me and says, don't come yet. I just need to sort a few things out. Which Go grab a coffee. <laughs> Which is not good news when you're moving into a new house. No. <laughs> okay. And... Um, and you, you knew that it wasn't completely finished yet. Yeah, so we decided to put, you know, sell the house. It was a really great time to sell, so we wanted to pounce on it. And we could live with some construction, so there was a minimum list of things that the GC should have completed by the time we moved in. Mm. You being you, you said, I'm not going to get a coffee, I'm, and you, you walk in. Was there even a front door? No, I actually went to get a coffee. Oh. I, I trusted him. I, tr I knew that he was setting a barrier for a reason. Yeah. And uh, so, so when you did finally walk into the, the house, what did you find? Oh, my. Um, Armageddon. Armageddon. <laughs> the second time in this talk that we... I uh, mean, I'm just going <laughs> to just read down the list. I mean, we had no lockable do doors. Uh, walls not finished were painting. We had no interior staircase. The plastic covering the interior walls. The fridge was not operational and standing in the middle of the kitchen. No working stove, no hot water. Only one single toilet was accessible, but through the outside only. Uh, we had no outside lights, and this is in Woodside, so it got really dark at night. Uh, not a single room was complete. We had no AC, and the house is made of glass. It's mid-century. Mm. Uh, no finished garage, no laundry room, no blinds. The power kept blowing. The dishwasher uh, flooded the kitchen. The mice were inside. 
I mean, the deck was loose. Mice in the house, good for Mice the Mice in the house, yeah, it's still going good, good on, actually. Oh, dear. And there's uh, nails and razor blades everywhere from construction and paint buckets and trash. And, I mean, it just went so on and on. So it was a construction site. It was a construction so, site, so full now, on. So now you're five weeks before your Ironman. You've got no knees. You've got a cat bite and you're and you're And a puppy and, and a that puppy. eats everything. And um, goodness me, so... You're in, and uh, was this, did you question going to the event? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you kind of look at the environment and say, is this possible? And knowing that I will at any cost push through something, I had to respect that as well. So I sat next to Najam and I said, so if I'm actually going to do this Ironman thing, it would have to be under these conditions. And Harvey next to me because I don't feel like I can really leave the house. And he tried to rationally kind of talk me out of it and assure me that this is not a, a, a definition of who I am. But he knows me. If he says something like this, it actually is the reverse. Yeah. To say, go do it. Like, you can do this. It's, uh, yeah, it's the, uh, the subtle sell, basically. Mm -hmm. So now... You're doing all of your training basically on a bike trainer in front of 20 construction Yeah, workers. because, you know, there's no blinds yet and the house is made of glass. And, I mean, we all know we look pretty silly on the bike trainer, especially at high efforts. I mean, you know, there's snot running out of us. Like, <laughs> it gets pretty ugly. So how am I going to do this with all these guys watching me and I'm wearing tight stuff? Like, I don't like this. So it was really hard to overcome. Now, now we talk about a dynamic mindset the whole time. So... Life not being a spreadsheet. In other words, looking at the program and having to sometimes apply it to the rigors of life. Mm -hmm. If we go back to the start of this story, you were a, uh, a box checker. So in other words, every mm -hmm. it was only successful if you completed every workout on the day, on the yep. time that it was done, every hour of it to the minute. You had to completely change your mindset here where you had to take this program with the key sessions that we talk about and mold it into your life. And, and I think there was a real shift that occurred for you. It's like, hang on, I'm the driver here. I'm now using Matt to help provide the sessions, but I'm the driver. Mm -hmm. did, did you really sort of feel like, because I Absolutely. really felt like that was... I mean, I think the the turning point for me was after the cat ran into the epoxied floor and I had to rush him to the ER and to get him for a three-hour emergency session, get him cleaned up, and he had licked all the epoxy in, and so they had to do all this blood test for him and clean his teeth and shave him, and his pads had no more skin and wear the cone and give him narcotics for pain medication, and then I actually drugged him too much as well, and he kind of passed it on the <laughs> counter. I mean, I, I remember sitting at the vet looking at the training sessions and just thinking, there's no way I can do this today but I could do that later after this and so that shift really did occur and I never dared to move your training sessions around I mean what you said I should be doing um, so I started shifting things around and it became easier to actually manage and, and interestingly from my perspective and this was, is this anarchy physical anarchy and then just life logistics it actually offered or provided you, I really noticed a shift in in empowerment. Mm -hmm. And and that's really what you're talking about there is you, you became a real owner of your journey mm -hmm. here. And I think what grew out of that was what we're talking to now, race day itself. You had to manage you had to manage race day by yourself ultimately as well. I mean, you arrive there, it's uh, for, for the non-triathletes listening, and we, we have many, you have... Uh, a two and a half mile swim or so you've got a 112 mile bike ride and you've got a marathon 26 miles the swim was cancelled yeah <laughs> and what, what do they of do course. what do they do they add an extra four miles of running to you so you can't run and the first thing you had to do on this day is run and it was a hot day wasn't it it was really hot this is north germany but it was what 95 degrees part of the the, the summer of heat that they had in europe this year so um so tell us about the uh, tell us about the day because you had some bee stings as well, yeah. Oh, wasps! Wasps, okay, yes. even more fun. Okay, yeah, on the bike, um, it was welcomed oddly because uh, it got my mind somewhere else. But yeah, I mean, I mean, the day unfolded 
quite beautifully. I mean, you, how can you not? It's in the middle of Hamburg in the countryside. But um, yeah, I mean, the, I mean, I think the the real struggle started six miles into the marathon. That's when things really became um, difficult. Yeah. <laughs> So you're, you're, you've already done four, then you're, then you're doing yeah, six. Yeah, I mean, the first four miles, I just felt amazing. Yeah. Like, I loved finally running and getting to that bike. I had actually a bit of a mechanical at the beginning of the bike, so I had to get off and fix the chain. My wheel wasn't on properly, even though I had checked it earlier. Um, but then everything went smooth, and I really felt I had the best bike management of my entire six-year triathlon career. The way I managed nutrition, it was I nailed it. And so I was so happy to get off and start the marathon. And again, that happiness, the euphoria is going, but then the pain started setting in and things just became really, really real um, <laughs> in the first loop around the lake. And, and you persisted and you, I think that the word is you managed, yeah? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I actually have to give a shout out to a fellow athlete, uh, Thomas, who I power walked and ran much of the course with and uh, we I knew I had to power walk at this point and and the pain because of not having had the run training I think it started becoming that much more severe but at only once did I think about quitting but not even then would I have actually done it like you yeah. think about it but you would never do it I would have crawled you became that aware of the the intensity the thought, which the is yes. normal and then you put that thought aside yeah you know, physically t t tell us what those so come up a level because you finished you crossed the line your family were there waiting for you Ugh, yeah so, so what were the emotions of the day i mean the emotions i mean the thing is the the run course was four loops and where my family positioned themselves i got to see them eight times on the run this is it's just incredible are, your family are german were they in they're all bar? german no, they were, well, I think they were having drinks, like okay. every time I started <laughs> yeah. running way out. Yeah, so they became happier throughout the day. <laughs> um, but they were all at the finish line. And I just remember my mom's face, just this huge sense of love and relief that her daughter actually made it and a bit of helplessness as well, because she didn't understand, because obviously at this point now, everything is just unfolding like that's when the pain really starts once the endorphins of and the um what is it the yeah, adrenaline dissipated, dissipates yeah. right and you start to get cold and and shiver and all these things and can't even move um but everybody just gave me these big hugs and people cried and my little munchkins my nieces and nephews were there and they drew me all these pictures and they gave them to me and I'm like I am a sweaty mess and whatnot and you're giving me your lovely pictures like <laughs> oh it was just wonderful and you um you, you mentioned to me afterwards that you had a lot of gratitude Ugh, throughout the entire was. day I actually had made myself a bracelet for the day and it had gratitude and love on it so love for family and myself and gratitude for just being able to to do this even under the circumstances that I did it at gratitude for my family being there uh, I mean heck, my, my coaching experience even right with mm -hmm. purple patch I mean just everything and yeah so I just let those two words and often we throw these words around and they sound really cheesy but I think once you get to that point where you really do feel it it can be hugely empowering and, and what about the lessons well um I mean, the lesson, I think my big one is really, you can't do it alone. It's just like with child rearing, it takes a village to, to achieve it. And I mean, I knew if I was going to do this, it would be with, through your coaching. It was uh, through my family and the people that love me. Yeah. Yep. So, I remember one thing and you might not remember this, so you can just tell me to shut up and we can move along <laughs> if necessary. But I remember the, uh, post race, you said that, uh, you said something compelling to me about others in the race other competitors that something you know i don't know if you yeah. remember that yeah of course yeah well tell us i actually that. wanted to talk about it and uh, i was uh, like maybe it's beside the point no yeah. yeah there were these two competitors ahead of us and they were really dragging as well but their entire body language was their head was down their feet were dragging you can just sense that about people yeah and uh, both uh thomas and i we we tried to talk to them and say look like we are on our last loop like you're four miles out this right now is Iron Man pushing through this darkness that you're sensing. So just pick your body back up 
get your posture back. Just as you always said, like nail the basics. And I put one foot in front of the other and just look outside, look around you, think about your journey today and what it's taken to get there. I mean, we just pulled all, you know, all possible cues for them and they couldn't get out of this darkness. Like I looked back as much as I could turn back at this point and their heads were down and, and they were they, young. They were, you know, my mid twenties. And I was like, what, what? They were like, probably just thinking about a time. Yeah. You know, like, like a, what I was I, at the I'm beginning, basically. Success is going to be a split rather than, wow, success is actually what it means in, yeah. in life. Um, so, so let's come up, let's, let's finish at a, a higher level and, uh, you're, you're getting ready to go under the scalpel, huh? Yeah. In two weeks. Okay. So we've got that, but um you're publishing your your book well uh publishing is a bit far reached uh, but finishing, uh, finishing, finishing the book and then uh chasing after that goal of publishing it and and what about uh sports from here because you know we, we started this discussion saying your triathlon journey is potentially coming to its end at mm -hmm. least because you can't do the third discipline right. if uh, if we wanted to continue to be functional and walk and and everything mm -hmm. else but But I don't think your moldy sport journey or your sporting journey in life is coming to an end, yeah? So no, definitely not. And I mean, I definitely don't want to go back to any kind of dark place that I used to be at, uh, which there is always a risk. And I think right now I'm I'm enjoying being able to focus on other parts in my life and, and put the energy there. And actually my body feels a lot better. But after surgery and after recovery, I would like to focus on a healthy routine that is targeting a goal again, and whether it be in mountain biking, um, yeah, yeah or swimming, it whatever be. it may be, it's, it's yet to be determined. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's going to fit in whatever next stage in life brings. I remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, Ken, as I call him, the mm -hmm. AAR, yes. the anarchist, and he said, you know, I don't care if my hips go out, my knees go out, I'm still going to be doing something. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, I think that whatever you're going to be doing next, you're, it will be goal-driven, mm -hmm. and it won't be about the athletic result per se, while we want to improve. And and I think that, I think that the the lessons that you've had, the, the growth that you've had have gone from being an, an athlete to a a best version of yourself, human being. Is mm -hmm. that, do you think I'm overstating it with that? No. It's, uh, I think it's no. absolutely, uh, it's a key ingredient. Yeah. You tell me how, how does, how does endurance performance basically, and, and let's call it excellence. Let's call it what it is. How does it fit into your bigger life? I mean, I've, I think it's, it's the drug I need in order to contain all that I'm capable of, all that I, could be without it and the person I will still become, right? We never stop growing and evolving. And so I think it's um, a springboard for me to use a vessel to, yeah, continue to evolve until my heart stops beating. <laughs> until your heart stops beating. Continue yeah. to yeah, grow until you, until you can't grow anymore. And, and look, it, it, it's easy for me as a, as a coach, uh, as an educator, let's call it, and as well, the, I can spout off what I think is necessary, but out of your journey, because you you have you're 34, yet you've lived this amazing, amazingly um, intense six-year triathlon journey. As you sort of come out of it, for for listeners that are sort of uh, seeking improvement, seeking their own evolution, their own performance potential. What lessons? What quick and dirty lessons do you have for people? Oh, as they quick start and dirty. I'll try to keep it. Um, there's a couple. Uh, so first of all, it's patience. Stop being in a hurry. It is a journey. Subscribe to it. Um, meet your body where it is at and not where you think it is at. And do check your internal health. Um, nail the basics. It, it, it's really, it's crucial. And actually journal your progress. I think that is one thing I regret, not having complete written documentation of how my emotional well-being was. It's, and it's more, not just about uploading No, your it's, it's not about just the data. And I was never truly just data-driven, but I definitely missed having pure journal emotional um, record. Yeah. And don't take yourself too serious and go have a glass or two of wine, go out with your friends and because uh, endurance is really a journey. And so whatever you do in one day is not going to screw up. You may not feel the best, but like take it, take it a little easy. Um, live your life. 
Yeah, and you know, it's you, you sort of say have a glass or two of wine and uh, and enjoy yourself. For myself, as my very short and limited professional triathlon career, I let that part of my life bypass me, and mm. um, you know, I I I didn't enjoy it. And it's like when you step back now and you realize what an opportunity, you Mm. know, to actually just really enjoy it. And yet I, I sort of, I took it too seriously. Mm -hmm. And even though it's a deadly serious pursuit, world-class performance, that's what you're after. It's that it doesn't mean you, you have to not enjoy it and um, lose your sense of humor and stuff like that. And I think that uh, people let that bypass them. Mm. So now we've got a, uh, we've got a, new feature on this show you have to uh you're not prepared for this uh i i gave you a, I, I take that back i gave you a little bit of insight because uh, i know it takes some thought desert island with purple patch you are getting thrown onto the desert island and you get some things to take with you so i've got three or four more questions for you to ask quick fire and um and I think this is really interesting, as I think we're going to get a lot. We must know the Bible is banned. The national anthems are banned. You can't I do any use of that. Those. You wouldn't use those anyway. <laughs> um, so here's the first question. Mm-hmm. What piece of music or album would you bring to the island? Well, it has to be Herbert Grönemeyer, my favorite uh, German artist, and his album called Mensch, Human. And I listened to it actually in Hamburg for the first time. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So f- fantastic. And what book would you bring with you? <laughs> well, the first book we read in a master's program was James Joyce's Ulysses. And obviously that's a big book. So I would take that because it has enough for a lifetime. And it's uh, the epitome of what um, a person can think about in 24 hours. So, you know, it's it's a big love story. And there's enough to think about it for a lifetime and inspiration. <laughs> it takes many 24 years to read it. Yeah. You're such an intellect, Anna. Oh. Okay, so you've got uh, you've got James Joyce Ulysses. It's good. I like it. Now you can bring one other thing. What yeah. can you? Uh, there is no electricity on the island. You can't. Uh, so not can't, my trainer. Nothing. You okay. can't bring your trainer. You can't bring your laptop. You can't bring your phone. What else are you going to bring? Uh, own uh, journal with hopefully a thousand pages so I can write my own version of Ulysses. Oh, perfect. That's a, that's a great one. Okay. Last question. You got one piece of advice. You're going to get off and you're going to go into exile to the desert Island. What's your last piece of advice to the world? (laughs) Well, I think, uh, in the spirit of Ironman Hamburg, we need each other to endure the journey. So stop fighting and start working together. Fantastic. Well, Anna, thank you very much. Thank it's, you. Uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. I really appreciate it. And uh, I hope the outside of the anarchy of what was probably the craziest Ironman preparation I've ever had to coach, <laughs> <laughs> but also had the privilege of coaching. Um, I want to congratulate you because uh, thank you. I think what we've seen over the last years is we always talk about evolution. We talk about the the reaching human potential and growth and uh, and to see you evolve as a, as an athlete but also evolve as a human being now as you sort of reach the end of your running journey a whole nother journey and chapter arrives out of it and so your your passion to grow is not extinguished and it's wonderful to see that so thanks so much for joining us today thank you take care well fantastic and thank you so much anna i really appreciate you talking to me it's quite the story. I can't quite believe the episodes of the animals and all of the rats and mice and snakes that your cats and dogs managed to come up with, let alone your exploding knees and everything else. But now the one thing we know is that performance is going to be a big part of your life. So let's get to the questions. We continue to have great questions coming in. In fact, we've got so many questions I'm going to have to filter through. I want to talk about a question I'm going to answer next week, but I want to give a little teaser for. We're going to go through next week some planning around 70.3s in Ironman races because we've got a great question that's come in about it, but I'm going to save it. But I don't want to get to today's question without at least giving you a clue. I think when you think about season planning for races, the big mistake that athletes make is they just choose an event every month. 
So they do a race in April, then May, then June, then July, then August. The challenge with doing that is that by the time you've tapered up or rested in the week of the race and then recovered following, there's too much of an accumulative detraining effect. And so as a little teaser for next week's question, you want to cluster your races a little bit and you want to make sure that you can find blocks of training for five, six, seven, eight, nine weeks in a row that are relatively uninterrupted by your racing. But I digress. Let's get back to the question for this week. And it comes from Michael Rickson, not Michael Dixon, Michael Rickson. And it is from one of my favorite countries in the world, Denmark. I spent a lot of time in Copenhagen and Denmark back in the early 90s when I was a swimmer. My college roommate, Jeppe Nielsen. I spent a lot of time up there with the Danish national swim team, having a lot of fun over the Christmas period and the summers when we were back from the States going along there. But... Michael, you didn't know me then, and that's probably a good thing. So your question is, and congratulations when I say this, I'm coming up to my first time for the Hawaii Ironman World Championships, and my big concern is the heat. And I can tell you it would be coming from Denmark, especially by the time you're in September and October. So unfortunately, due to life and work commitments, I'm only able to go out to the race about a week in advance. And so I can't do any hot weather camps or anything like that. So what are your recommendations for training for the heat? This is a great question. I think the way to set it up is to first realize that the quality of your key training is still the most important thing. One of the big mistakes that athletes make is to try and combine heat training with key specific training that you're doing to get ready for the race. Instead of doing that, I would do your key sessions in the best environment you can to ensure that they have high quality. And then I would do some specific heat training in the best that you have for availability. And there's really two ways to do it. The first is you in a sauna treatment, or as you might say up there in uh, Scandinavia, sauna. But the sauna treatment is following a key session, or in fact, following any session of the day, you can hop into a sauna. Now, I'm going to add the protocol to the show notes, but basically, you finish your session, you hydrate normally, and then you hop into a sauna, you don't hydrate, and you sit in there post-workout for about 15 to 30 minutes, and you're in a dehydrated state. But there's a whole host of physiological adaptations that occur that's going to increase your sweat rate, your threshold that you're going to actually start sweating earlier, and your blood volume. And so there are some physiological adaptations that occur to help you become prepared for heat. If you don't have easy access to a sauna, especially following a workout, the other thing that you can do is add some specific heat training sessions. And this is kind of the poor man's sauna. What you do is you do your low-stress sessions where you're keeping it just at an easy to very moderate level, but either on a treadmill or on a bike trainer, you're putting yourself in a relatively warm environment with no fan and you overdress. And you spend somewhere between 20 and 60 minutes keeping a nice steady state where you're just getting yourself into an uncomfortably hot environment. All you're looking for here is physiological adaptations. So you're not really training You're not looking to increase fitness, you're looking to prepare the body for heat. Now you want to go through this protocol, either the sauna protocol or additional heat treatment exercise sessions for about two weeks and they finish about two to three days before you travel. The one other thing that I'd include is this is very stressful from a physiological standpoint. So you've got to come up a level and realize that still your primary ability to perform when you're in Hawaii is to show up fit and fresh. And so when you have to make decisions, if you are feeling accumulated fatigue, the very first thing to go It's not a key training session to help get you ready, but one of these heat sessions. If you are feeling tired, if you are having broken sleep, and then pull out of it. I hope that helps. I really encourage you to go to the show notes. Make sure that you um, have a little review. And of course, come back to us if you have any questions. For the rest of you folks, if you want to have your own questions around performance or any events coming up, questions at purplepatchfitness.com. That's questions with an S at purplepatchfitness.com and I'm happy to answer them. 
Now, let's get for lessons of the week. So what do we learn this week from Anna? We had a story of evolution, the story of an Iron Man, which was quite different than what she would have viewed success quite a few years ago. Well, I think Anna nailed it when she talked about the lessons, but my little takeaways, number one, keep this sport fun. Even if you're a professional, give yourself permission to enjoy it. Second, training is super, but it doesn't mean it's you. Don't let your journey and performance define you. Allow yourself to enjoy it. Allow yourself to embrace the journey and don't make every single day a test of worth. Thirdly, the habits are critical. Good decisions and integrating and absorbing your training and performance into life is what success is. Finally, coaching. A positive coach can be a super addition But always remember this, this journey in performance is your journey. It's not your coach's journey. It is never my journey. I am here as a coach just to support you, guide you, and give you some lessons along the way. But you own it. Never, ever forget that. Never allow anyone to take ownership over your journey towards your personal brand of excellence. I hope that helps. I'm looking forward to the conversations coming up in the coming weeks. As ever... If you want to ask us questions, questions at purplepatchfitness.com. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And if I can be so humble, it's great if you can review us on iTunes and, of course, share with your friends. Onward and upward. Until next time, take care.